Okay, guys, let's come in. We're going to hang out for about 50 minutes, and then we're going to get some lunch. Oh, my God, after the break, and you guys came back. Woo! That's good news. Thanks, baby. Okay. Okay, what I'm going to do is, uh, do you have anything to say before I start the traditions? Yes, I do. Oh, he has something to say. Okay. Um, you know, there's probably not anything in the world that's more exciting or, or feels any better than a nice, close relationship that works. Uh, and there's probably not anything that's more painful than one that's not working. Uh, I mean, that's just... You know, when, when it gets emotionally hazardous, uh, it's hard to face uncertainty when your heart's on the line. It's really, really tough. So some of us have approached uh, relationships uh, as, as though it were a, a game of some sort. You know, here's, here's my plan, and it usually involves some kind of subterfuge or, you know, some form of, well, it's it, call it what it is, some form of dishonesty uh, in one way or another, exaggeration, whatever, you know, I'm six feet tall, have dark, have dark brown hair, you know, when I'm really five foot three and don't have any air. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and we treat it as though uh, we, we think it's very important to find the right person. That somewhere out there is our soulmate. Well, first of all, I don't know what a soulmate is. So, you know, I mean, I don't know how to rigorously define a soulmate. What is, I mean, what do you look for? Uh, and even if I did, I don't know that, I, I would notice that when I just ran into them, bumped into them or, or met them or whatever. Um, so, uh, if, if you're approaching relationships as though you were looking for the right person. Let me turn you around if I can. The trick is not to find the right person. The trick is to be the right person. If you are the right person, your life is going to work. And relationships only being only one part of your life that works too, but your whole life will work if you're the right person. It astounded me when I found out that it was okay. In fact, preferred. To be honest, really? Tell the truth? You know, because alcoholics, we usually resort to honesty only when every means of deception has failed. So... So that's the question. Am I the right person? 
if you if you stop for a second and imagine who your right person is, you know, I mean, think about it. You know, how how tall should they be? Uh, what color hair? What color eyes? You know, down down to the nth detail. If they came along and sat down beside you on a log, would they stay? If you're not the right person, no. So it doesn't do any good to find them. If you're not the right person, they will stick around. So anyway, that that is my uh, thing. And and what what if you saw an ad in one of these little. Uh, Papers, newspaper type uh, giveaways that you find at grocery stores and fast food stores, and, and uh, I mean uh, convenience stores and so forth. Uh, if it were if it were written by or about alcoholics uh, who were honest, uh, how might it read? It might read wanted single male or female. Must be willing to tolerate slovenly, insensitive, lazy mate. <laughs> Must cheerfully endure for long periods without interactive communication other, other than occasional grunts. Must happily accept constructive criticism regarding dress, personal habits, vocabulary, hygiene, driving, language, housekeeping, laundry methods, cooking, and clothes folding. You know, it's a big deal to some people if their underwear is not folded properly. It's a big deal to some people whether the toilet paper goes over the top or under the bottom. So uh, anyway, must remain calm and unflappable during loud, immature, sometimes crude or vulgar outbursts. <laughs> and must quickly overlook and forget all threats and false bravado. Tolerance of poor hygiene and flatulence, a plus. <laughs> Got to be the right person. So that's what we're here trying to do, encourage you to be the right person, not fix your partner. Okay, please hit it. Okay. What Dave and I are going to do is uh, we believe that the traditions are what help us get along. And uh, this couple that we met in Omaha, Nebraska, Dick and Peggy M., many, many years ago, we heard them do this. And they took and helped us do this. And this has been some 20-odd years ago. I don't know how long ago, but a long time. And, uh, and what we've done is uh, we've applied this to our relationship. This is what we do. And so what we're going to do is just share it with you, how we've taken these traditions, we've reworded them slightly, and we've taken these traditions and applied them to our relationship. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. A healthy relationship depends upon unity. One of the principles of a home group is unity. What we have to do is we all have to be able to be willing for the good of the meeting. So what happens is, as I can remember, Keith Lewis was a beautiful man in Alcoholics Anonymous and was 
Dave's sponsor. And Keith would say, sometimes all I can hang on to is the covenant of marriage. So what we have to do is be willing to do for the good of the relationship. And sometimes my way is not the best way for the good of the relationship. That's not what's going to cause us to stay unified. Each individual in the group must align their thoughts with what is best for the group conscience. And what Dave and I have learned to do through the years is that magical word that I've talked about earlier, which is compromise. And a lot of times I think my way is best. I really do. I think what I'm doing is best for our relationship until we discuss it and we start trying to have a conversation without tempers getting involved and everybody getting upset to try to just, in fact, Albert and Sally, Sally is my Al-Anon sponsor and she is still alive. And there was a man named Albert Myers, lived in Dallas, Texas. And he and Sally had the most beautiful marriage and I wanted what they had so bad. And every time we'd go to a woman to woman, when I would end up being a roommate of Sally's, Sally would open up her suitcase and she'd have all these love notes in it from Albert. And I thought, oh my God, that's what I want. I want that kind of romance in my marriage. All the, and they'd been married then almost 50 years. And that's the kind of romance I want in my marriage. How do I keep that? How do I keep that romance? And what they used to say is sometimes you have to just sit down and have a meeting. And that's what we do with this unity. Other words, you get to talk your whole talk, whatever you got to say, with no interruption. Now, Dave is really better at that than me. And a lot of times when we're having a meeting so that we can get stuff, you know, talk about stuff and come to some kind of a compromise or come to an understanding so that we're unified, he will very calmly, he's, a, he's such a gentleman, and he will say, Polly, I'm not finished. So that I can allow him to finish because I want to interrupt you know, well, wait a minute, I've got, you know, I've got this, because Dave's a little easier going than I am. I'm kind of a firing type A, and so I have to, he has to sometimes get me to listen to the whole thing. So, because it may be about money, it may be about where we're going to live, and I just want to say, after so many years of being together and to doing this thing and being unified, Dave and I moved from Birch Bay, Washington to Jacksonville, Florida. And my speaking schedule was so heavy, I did not have time to go to Jacksonville and try to find us a place to live. And what happened is, is Dave went. And all my friends said, oh my gosh, you can't let him buy your place. There's no way that you could let him. I said, I'm so totally confident. We've been together at the time 30 years. I said, we've been together 30 years, and I am confident that whatever he gets, I will love. And that was true. What he got, I loved. But that's what happens. If you keep practicing and 
applying these, especially tradition one. There, if there's no unity in our relationship, there's no relationship. So it's like step one. Step one, we have to stay sober. That's the most important thing is staying sober. And in any relationship, tradition one is what's most important. Because what's most important is the unity of the relationship. So <clears throat> what we have here is Dave has taken the checklist from the traditions and we've applied them to the check for a checklist for the real, for the traditions in relationship. So what I'm going to read all of these. I'm going to kind of jump around on them as we go through the traditions because they re, they repeat a lot. But for this tradition, I'm going to read them all and answer them. What am I willing to sacrifice for our relationship? I'm telling you, I'm willing to do anything for this relationship but take a drink of alcohol. I, I love Dave. I want a successful relationship. I want our relationship to work. And I realize that that takes work on both of our parts. We have to be willing to apply ourselves into this relationship for the good of the relationship. And many times we both had to surrender because our way just didn't, just was, you know, wasn't the right way. And as Sandy used to say, just don't have a way. Just don't have a way. What effect do my actions have on our relationship and our family? My, my actions have a big effect on this relationship. One of the things that I want is I love being married. I love being married to another, especially I love being married to another member of Alcoholics Anonymous. One of the things is we speak the same language. We have the same lingo. The only thing is it's really tough if we both get alcoholic on the same day. That, that kind of gets a little, you know, testy. But my actions, I don't want to give, not only do I not, my actions affect as an AA member, can affect AA. You know, if I'm out there in the world and I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, I could give AA a bad name. I can give relationships a bad name, and I don't want to do that. So my actions are important, and I truly believe what I've learned a long time ago in AA, and I believe it as far as my relationship, is sometimes I just need to act better than I feel. And my actions do count. What I do, how I behave is important. How it affects my family if, if Dave and I go visit our children and we're fussing and fighting all the time, that is not pleasant. I don't know if you've ever been around people doing that, but it's not pleasant. It is unpleasant. So my actions of how I interact in my relationship do affect other people. Am I a giver or a taker? And I really believe that both of us, as self-centered alcoholics as we are, really love each other and you know I want him to be happy and a lot of times we have a hard time when we go out to dinner where do you want to go for dinner no where do you want to go for dinner what do you want to go to so and it's finally it's like okay one of us just has to make an just has to make a decision so we're learning to be we're learning to be givers and what is it that would make you happy <clears throat> do I do unifying things Am I, do I do things as a couple? Now, 
I cannot do unifying things. In the past, I have moved a sponsee into our house with never discussing it with Dave. I have done these things. And, uh, <laughs> are you making faces? <laughs> no. <laughs> Fortunately, he's really easy to get along with <laughs> because I have done things like that. So, I mean, that is a life changing thing to do that without the discussing it. So today I am more willing to do to discuss things before, you know, we leap. It's one of those things, oh, it seemed like a good idea, do it. <laughs> or <clears throat> am I quick to criticize? And I have to watch that because I I am one of these people, I mean, if the women I sponsor and the women I am around a lot know it. I'm just fire. I just fire. And most of the time, they're okay with it, but Dave is pretty sensitive. And if I start firing at him, I can just watch his face. I can just see. I just so hurt him. I've just hurt him. So I have to be really careful sometimes how I frame things because I can be very hurtful because I'll just say what's on my mind at that moment. And it's that's not... That's hurtful to the people that you're in a relationship with. Uh, slow to praise. And uh, one of the things that I really do is I like to praise people. And I'll tell you, the main reason I like to praise people is because it makes me feel good. I feel much better when I am telling you something kind about you and good about you than something that's wrong with you. Do I use silence as a refuge or punishment while expecting my mate to read my mind? And one of the things that I used to be that way, I used to feel like if you, you know, I wouldn't say anything, but you were supposed to guess what I wanted. And if you guess what I wanted, then you really loved me. Well, how are you going to possibly know what I want if I don't say something? So learning to be able to say the things. And I don't know about anybody else in this room, but it takes time. It takes time to be willing to be able to talk about things in a relationship. Because why? He's the most important person in my life, and I'm scared. I'm scared sometimes to say the truth. Do I listen when my mate has something to say? Uh, I'm, I'm better about that than I used to be. I'm really good about listening to my women when what they have to say. They're always saying what a good listener I am. And sometimes I'm not that good a listener with Dave. I'm interrupting because one of the things, again, type A, Dave talks too slow. So I know, come on, come on, say it, say it, say it. Do I admire and approve of my mate and do I tell him? Now I want you to look at Dave today. Now, Dave's 79 years old. Is he dressed cute or what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, let's, you know, I don't want any frumpy old man. Let's get with it. <laughs> it's all good. Am I a healing, mending, integral force in our marriage or am I decisive? 
I like to be, I want to say, I love being married. I love for people to be married. I don't think that there is anything more fabulous, but like Dave said, there can be nothing more painful either. But I love being married, and I know it's my responsibility to make Dave, it's not Dave's responsibility to make me feel good in the marriage. What I do is do everything I can to make him feel good. The good news is, is we're both doing that. And what happens is, is that we end up being able to complement each other in our relationship. Am I a peacemaker? Or because of my own insecurity, is it critical to my ego that I be right? Well, one of the things that both of us, both I have stopped, okay, whatever you say, because both of us don't like conflict. And the male ego, I'm always telling Dave, thank you, I am so blessed that I was born a woman and do not have to deal with your male ego. Because I know that, that I, it's got to be tough. It has to be tough. Because it's so hard for him to admit he's wrong. And what happens is, is that I today I realize that. And But what happens is, is I have stopped just saying, okay, whatever you say. Because then what do I do? If I keep giving in like that all the time, I am, I am absolutely stacking up resentments. Okay? So what is, is really necessary is for me to take a risk and be honest in our relationship. And that's what both of us have had to learn to do. Because of all the things I don't want to do is stack up resentments in my relationship. Can I be flexible? And uh, I'm pretty flexible. I'm a pretty kind of go-with-the-flow kind of gal. Dave digs in a little bit more. He digs in a little bit more than I do. But what's happening is, is that one of the things that I can change gears in midstream, and Dave will sometimes say, it just makes me crazy. You're going this way, and all of a sudden now we're going this way, and then you're going this way. And what I've tried to do is just not be so, you know, always jumping one from one thing to another. So that's kind of good, and he's kind of learning to kind of give. So it's taken a long time, but we're kind of getting there. It's, you know, it's, we may do this before they throw some dirt on us. We may get it, you know. What must my mate do to accommodate my insecurity? I have, as much as I, as outgoing as I am, I can be very insecure. Do you love me? Are you sure you love me? Are you love me? And uh, I don't know. This, it's, it's not too much of a big deal anymore because, you know, we're old. But we were young once. And... Uh, I sponsor the most gorgeous women in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I can tell you, Dave loves them. He absolutely <laughs> loves them. And I have had a lot of battles with jealousy in the past. So it's always, are you sure you love me? No, you love them. You think she's prettier than me. And I don't know if any of you women have that kind of a problem, but I've had that problem. And it's not, like I said, it's not too bad now. He's 79. I'm not worried about him anymore. <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, you know, I, I, I wasted some years and a lot of hurt and anxiety over things that were not important. And, you know, here I sit today with a man who is just as much with me, if not more, well, more so probably because we've been together, but always cherished me. But I'm a real alcoholic, and sometimes it's just nothing's enough. It's just not enough. 
so I've had I've had to it has taken a lot for me to feel secure but Dave's been willing to give a lot do I try to be understanding when my mate rubs me the wrong way oh my god thank god for sponsorship and one of the things if I'll just call before I you know if I just have some restraint of pen and time if I'll just call first because Dottie would always help me see it another way and Rena does the same thing if I'll just call before I speak sometimes my tongue is bleeding I have bit it so much because I want to say something but by God's grace a lot of times I haven't because one of the things that I've learned is that I can spit out something at Dave and he can do the same to me but he has more restraint than I do but you know once it's said he'll always forgive me but once it's said I can't take it back and what happens is is we can get forgiveness but they never forget it so we need to watch what we say and how we say it do I spout platitudes of love while in while enjoying secrets and uh, today Dave and I don't have a lot of secrets now do we tell each other everything no and Dave and I are very respectful of each other's privacy I'm not going through his email we respect each other I trust him I trust him and I see this all the time with women I work with they're going through they're very it's it's there's no privacy and I think even in a marriage in a relationship we need to have privacy and I do not violate that privacy I have I do not open Dave's mail or does he open mine I can be out of town and he'll say well such and such came out well open it and read it to me but we don't do that without the other person and it's a little thing but we all deserve privacy even though we're married or in a committed relationship we still deserve privacy do I share all of me do I tell Dave everything I'm thinking no <laughs> I don't and I'll give you a really good reason why I don't because if I told him everything I was thinking some of the time it would be very hurtful to him because I can tell you we've been married a long time and I've had some pretty nasty thoughts about him and by God's grace I didn't have to tell him because you know what happens it passes and I didn't have to hurt him by telling him something that would have hurt him and I'm really grateful for that so it's not necessary that if I think it I have to say it so do I have secrets from him yes I do one of the things do I have secrets no I'm t I'm either telling a sponsor I'm telling a sponsee or I'm telling a friend but I don't necessarily tell Dave everything tradition two <clears throat> tradition two for our group purpose there is but group meeting uh, the two of us we are we are a group 
There is but one ultimate authority. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to I forgot to change the mic. Uh-huh. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, Start over, is. honey. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Tradition two for our group purpose: there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as He may express Himself in our group conscience. Each of us is God's trusted servant; neither governs. Um, God, God is the God is the boss. He's the one authority uh, in our relationship, and we somehow have to learn to put our egos aside and allow God to do what he does best, and that is guide his children. Uh, I don't know how anybody uh, in here feels about God. Uh, God is not uh, technically uh, necessary to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, when I when I came here, uh, I was I was a derelict of my own making. Uh, I I had lost all interest in personal hygiene. Uh, it it was very clear to me in my dilapidated state of mind at that time, my, my bedraggled self, that uh, taking a bath was not going to improve my situation one whit. <laughs> and uh, so I, I just didn't do it anymore. I was just, you know, I mean, that's what happens to you. I mean, I, I'm not sure there's any kind of depression that's worse than the depression that comes with alcoholism. There is not one single photon that can break through the fog and get to you. I mean, there's just no light in your life. And, uh, but I, I did not uh, have any interest left in personal hygiene. I no longer bathed or changed clothes or brushed my teeth or combed my hair or did any of that stuff. Uh, and, and my experience has been that if you stay with alcoholism, if you stay with alcohol long enough, you, that is one of the inevitable places you wind up. Uh, things like that just aren't important anymore. And uh, I, I had lost all interest in uh, honesty of any kind. I, I mean, I, it just never occurred to me whether what I was saying was true or not. I didn't care. I just said what I thought you wanted to hear. And I don't need to ask anybody what they want to hear. I can figure that out on my own. I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic for crying out loud. And I was just completely and totally demoralized. I was defeated completely uh, and was just kind of coasting along toward the end. And I, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous because a, a lady at the Dallas County Mental Health Clinic told me to. I decided that my problem was depression. I was depressed, so I called them. They said they could help if your problems are depression, and so I called them, and they said, oh, yeah, come on down. So they gave me a lady who uh, sat there, and how she did it, I'll never know, but she listened to my drivel, uh, just pure alcoholic drivel, 
uh, for week after week. I had a standing appointment every Monday, 1 p.m., her office. And, uh, and I did not ever intentionally lie to that lady, but I'm not sure I ever said anything to her that was true. <laughs> I mean, that's just how confused you can get to stick with it. And, uh, and so um, one day uh, she just, uh, I, I, did not meet, I did not go there meaning to do this. But one day I heard words coming out of my mouth that I had not planned on and that I immediately regretted because I didn't want her anywhere near this part of my life. Uh, and that was, I said, when are we going to talk about my drinking? And I didn't want her near that because she was going to do, I felt sure, what everybody else always did. They said, why don't you just quit? And uh, I understand nobody got it, uh, but that was an area of my life where I was totally and completely defeated. I couldn't just quit, you know. Are you kidding? So I, I was completely gone as an alcoholic. There was absolutely nothing left of me. Um, and I'm a Alcoholics Anonymous, and you said, Dave, you know, here's what you're going to have to do. Uh, we, cannot, we cannot collectively or individually get you sober or keep you sober. And uh, we believe that you're going to have to do what we've all had to do and determine whether you think you're the most powerful force in the universe or perhaps there is a power greater than you. And if you reach the, the unbelievable opinion that there is no power greater than you, you're too far gone. It's like, you know, go home and drink the hemlock tea, pal. It's over for you. <laughs> uh, but if you think there's somewhere... You don't have to understand it or have a name for it or anything, but if you think there's somewhere in this universe a power that's greater than you, uh, you have to go ask that power to help you. Frankly, most of us call it power God just because, you know, we got to call him something. And, uh, and that is a, a name we all have been brought up to believe that that is the ultimate power in the universe, most of us. And uh, so... You know, you, you can call him Herschel if you want to, but, but most of us just call him God. And you're going to have to go ask him for help. And I, I just said, look at me. Are you kidding? Look at me. How on earth could you suggest that I present myself to God? I mean, you mean the God, right? And uh, you said, well, yeah. And... Um, so I didn't know what to do, and so I did what I always did when I didn't know what to do. I didn't do anything. Uh, and that was on a Wednesday night. Uh, on a Thursday night, I went back to that meeting, again drunk, again drinking. And you told me the same thing. And Friday night, you told me the same thing. And Saturday night, I went home uh, to this dump I was living in and I stood in the dark with a drink in my hand and I said, God, if I'm going to straighten out my life and get sober, 
you're going to have to help me. And, it, you know, it was just a statement. And there was, a, there was an implied phrase there, but God, if you really exist, was the implied phrase. Hey, you're going to have to help me. So here I stood, uh, derelict, hadn't had a bath in forever, drinking a case of vodka a week, um, just total loss, you know, just, just an absolute nothing of a human being. And I am appealing to God, the God, telling him that I am powerless without him. I didn't realize that's what I was doing at the time. I was just doing what you told me to do. It doesn't seem to be critical to him that you really sincerely mean what you're saying, that this is coming, welling up from your heart, you know. It just seems you have to say it. You've got to throw in the towel. And you can't throw in the towel by just tearing off little pieces of it and throwing in one piece at a time. Uh, you just got to throw in the towel. And uh, so that was April the 17th of 1976, and my sobriety date is the next day, April the 18th, 1976. So God did overnight what I had been trying for years to do. Just did it overnight. It's nothing, no big deal. Well, I want to tell you that I I, I did not uh, feel like going dancing the next day, but but I did not drink. And uh, roadblocks were set up to keep me away from the booze that I didn't know anything about. You know, I mean, I didn't realize what was going on in my life. And uh, and if you had well, it doesn't matter, but but uh, I did not realize what was going on in my life, and I, God had heard my plea and, or my request, and he just, you know, I don't know what he does or how he does it, but I, I have not had a drink since. And, I, and I, I puzzled about that at first. I thought, well, how did he know I was going to say that prayer on that particular night? How did he know to be there? He didn't live in my neighborhood, you know. And and if he lives inside of me, I got him living in the junkyard, because that's all that's inside of me. And uh, so God took root in my life without me even knowing it that very night. So it never occurred to me that I could go to a room full of drunks and find the answers to my life, to my existence, to my place in the universe. It never occurred to me. Not from a bunch of drunks. You know, I mean, so um, so this means for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. And for Polly and I, that is a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. We don't take much credit for for what we have. We have both been asking God for help all along the way. And he has been supplying it. God plays a very big part in our life. And we we subscribe to the God that Alcoholics Anonymous subscribes to. You know, a power greater than ourselves. We don't try to define him much further than that. Uh, for one thing, if we do, and we will inevitably think we have the answer, 
and we'll give it to you, and it won't be your answer. So we'll screw up your life. <laughs> Think God doesn't love you. But uh, and things go on in our life that we are absolutely certain that are the work of God as we understand him. Uh, which means we don't understand him at all. I mean, I mean, to me, it's just silly to think you're ever going to understand God. <laughs> you're just, you know, but I understand why they put that phrase in there. That was to get all those guys in Akron to shut up. <laughs> but uh, so uh, sometimes we forget that God is in charge one or the other of us will forget that God is supposed to be in charge and we mistakenly think that one of us is and uh, in charge so when we take that position then we're clearly trying to be the boss and thing, which means we know better, whoever it is. Me, I know better. Uh, and, and that's what exactly what that says, you know. I am more sensitive than you. I am more knowledgeable than you. I know what's best for us, uh, and you don't. Uh, and, and that sort of thing is just, is just silly. I mean... When, I, when you think about all of the stuff I gave, I, I said this morning about, you know, men, how different men and women are, it takes both of us to put together a decent idea because we each bring something different to the table. And, and one opinion is no good without the other to counterbalance it. So there's, I mean, and everywhere you look throughout nature and throughout uh, spirituality, and uh, that's what you find, the male energy and the female energy. So uh, often one partner tries to be dominating, and uh, sometimes they're allowed to be because the other partner just wants to let them dominate all over the place. Because, if, you know, if the wheels come off, don't look at me. It's not my fault. You're in charge. And uh, so... Uh, we're not aware of God personally sorting out our arguments and getting into the details of our lives whether he does or not we don't know and and it's really not important because we just at some level we just know that there's a power greater than, than poly or I or our combined power that operates in our life to our benefit and that's pretty much about all we can say about that you know, and uh, so we have a lot of a lot of problems. You know, uh, we don't we don't know about him personally sorting out our arguments or disagreements. Uh, uh, there are times when each of us thinks the other is wrong. There are times when I know Polly is dead wrong. I know that with metaphysical. <laughs> I know that with metaphysical certitude. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's one of the seven deadly needs. You know, there are seven deadly sins. Well, seven deadly needs, too. Uh, and, you know, and one of them is being right. It is important to be right. Looking good is another one. Being in charge is another one. We need to be in charge sometimes. I need to be the boss sometimes. <laughs> so, um, 
So uh, knowing everything is another one. You know, I mean that that is a you know you gotta you gotta get your ego under control if you can. My my ego is a troll that lives under a bridge, and uh, so it, it is a he has horns and scaly skin and the whole troll thing. And, uh, so and. And if you can't get your ego under control, and you're going to need a lot of help to do that, another place where God can come in really handy. And uh, otherwise, it's easy for anyone, anyone, to lead you around on a leash. That's like putting a ring in your nose and a leash on it. Just lead you around because your ego will eat all that stuff up. Men have, I mean, women have been doing that to men for countless Eons, you know, just just have a little box of uh, ego nib- uh, niblets and just throw one out once in a while. <laughs> and you've known that. You women have known that forever. You never tell anybody that. Uh, you know, but no matter no matter what I do or say, she's never going to see the error of her ways. And so, you know. So we both have learned to just say, you know, you could be right. And just let it go, you know. Don't make it difficult. This is very important. Don't make it difficult for other people to be honest with you. Okay? Don't go into a low apogee orbit if somebody is honest with you, you know. Don't make it hard for them to do that. So... um, because your ego is not ever going to be frank with you, open, you know, frank, tell you the truth. Uh, and, and when it's you that's wrong, you know, if you, if you decide you are the one that is wrong, uh, don't be evasive or anything. Just own it. Just own it. You know, because in all honesty, you weren't wrong on purpose. Nobody's wrong on purpose. You know, you believed you were right. You believed in what you were doing, for the almost without exception. I mean, back in back in the days when we were drinking, you, I mean, that that would be a silly statement to make. But but you're an Alcoholics Anonymous, and you believe you're trying to straighten out your life, and that you want good, honest, a, a good, honest approach to living your life. You want to live the life that wants to live you, and you're not going to be wrong on purpose. And nor is anybody else in here. So just own it. It's not the end of the world. It'll work out a lot better. Um, so the only response that I know of that uh, keeps you from looking stupid is to say something like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Who's going to say no to that? So, uh, what time is it? Where it's about over. So, the uh, you got to keep your ego in check. You have to keep resentments from building up. Uh, and uh, you can, I mean that's a that's tough sometimes, but you can do it. You can do it. Just tell the truth. You know what? Why don't you? Why don't you just tell the truth? Try and see what happens. I mean, that's one way to find out. Just give it a try. See what happens. 
you know, make sure that, I mean, depend on it. Depend on who you're uh, you're being truthful with. You know, you you might need to know uh, CPR if you tell them the truth. <laughs> they might stroke out right in front of you. <laughs> so I think we're out of time before lunch, and uh, so why don't we just do lunch? <laughs>